You wouldn't let your kids play in a busy street. You have rules to protect them. The law of God is not something that we should run away from. It's actually something that we should love. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. Laws are there to protect us, to keep us from harming ourselves or others. Today, Robert Quintana helps you understand that by knowing God's law, you understand his character as he shares part two of Victory is Mine. A few weeks ago, my family wanted, uh, when I was down for my uncle's funeral, um, the funeral wasn't until later in the evening on Sunday, and so being down in Florida, my family um, wanted to go to the beach um, in the morning. I said, you know, I, I just don't care for the beach. I know that a lot of you are now thinking, what? You don't like the beach? What's wrong with you? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the ocean. I love doing stuff in the ocean, boating, scuba diving. But to just go lay on the beach, it's just not my cup of tea. And I think part of the reason is, is because of my experiences as a child at the beach. You see, I grew up in Philadelphia, as most of you know, and, uh, you know, in the city, Weekends came around, family wanted to do something special, so they would load up the car and head to Atlantic City. So my experience of the beach was getting up super, super early in the morning, packing a lunch, going to the beach, and then once you get there, there would be seaweed, jellyfish all over the place. You know, and then lunchtime rolled around and they would pull out these soggy, you know, tuna sandwiches with mayonnaise and, you know, they're all disfigured and they're flat. Pop open a can of soda and as you go to drink, you're getting sand all over in your mouth. I thought, why do we do this? Can I just go back home and hang out with my friends? And so growing up, Going to the beach wasn't a very exciting time for me. About 50% of the time that we would go to the beach, there would be a sign that said, no swimming, strong undercurrent, or swim at your own risk, no lifeguard on duty. And so we would drive several hours and we'd get there and I'd think, this is such a waste of time, why are we doing this? And then the next day, must have not put enough sunscreen on, and so you're burnt. So maybe you understand now why I don't care for the beach. But you know what's interesting, what I learned about that whole experience growing up, seeing these signs about no swimming, is that those signs for some reason made sense to me. And I thanked the city or the county, whoever put it up, thank you for putting those signs up. Because they tell me that there's danger on the other side. No swimming. Strong undercurrent. Those signs made sense to me. And I thought, well, of course, it makes sense. There is a rule. And if you break that rule, well, there might be consequences that you're not going to be happy with. 
You know, unfortunately, within the Christian church, we get into trouble sometimes as parents or as churches when we just give rules without giving a reason why. And so what we have is a culture that grows up not wanting or not understanding or not appreciating the rules that we find in Scripture. And sometimes, unfortunately, we want to throw it all away and say, you know, no laws, no rules. But can you imagine a society where there are no rules and no laws? Maybe you don't need to imagine it. I've kind of experienced that when I've traveled to third world countries where the rule of law is not enforced. It's dangerous. You do not feel safe. I remember driving, or not driving, but riding in the car with, with uh, someone. We were in a, a van and we we're just driving down the road. And I noticed that he's just passing all of these intersections. And every once in a while, there would be like this halt. Everybody would halt and then someone would floor it. And whoever floored it first would get through the intersection first. And as I kept on noticing, I, I realized there were no stop signs. Nowhere. I mean, there weren't any stop signs on this road. There were no stop signs on this road. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world do you guys make it without these rules that say everyone stop, then you give the right away to the person to your right, and everyone gets along that way. I felt so unsafe when those rules were not in place or when those rules aren't enforced. I want to talk about the law of God here today to help us understand that the law of God is not something that we should run away from. It's actually something that we should appreciate. It's actually something that we should love. But unfortunately, because we don't take the time sometimes to say, okay, what does this law mean? What does it represent? What does it mean for my life? Unfortunately, sometimes because we just want to do away with it altogether, we find ourselves in a position where we're constantly battling the law of God. And we, we, we tend to want to just throw it away altogether. Have you ever heard Christians say, well, we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. Really? You're only under grace, no law whatsoever? Have you ever heard someone say, well, that law was for the Old Testament, for the Old Testament believers. Those were laws for the Jews. They don't apply for us anymore. Really? Really? You see, because when you follow through with that reasoning, that makes sense until you're at the tail end of one of those broken laws. When you're at the tail end of one of those broken laws, then it makes all the sense in the world. If your spouse comes to you and tells you that they've been seeing someone else for, for the last three years, all of a sudden that law, thou shalt not commit adultery, makes sense. And so we need to understand here today that laws and rules are important. And as we journey through this study together, we're going to end up in the book of Romans and we're going to understand how Paul viewed the law and the significance between the law and grace of God. And so here in a few minutes, we're going to look at Paul's relationship between grace and the law. But before we go there, it's important for you to understand something very basic about the laws that we find in scripture. This in of itself will clarify a lot for you. We need to understand that when we read the laws of scripture, that there is actually four categories 
with every law can fall into one of these four categories. So if you're taking notes, jot these down because it's really going to help you understand the laws that we find in Scripture. The first law that I'd like to talk to you about isn't found directly in Scripture, but it refers to it kind of in an indirect way. And that is the law of nature. The law of nature says this, that if I take this handheld mic and I let go of it, what's going to happen? It's going to fall to the ground, right? Science says that gravity will take this mic and it will plop to the ground. The law of nature. Now, the law of nature doesn't change, or does it? So let me ask you this question. Does the law of nature change? It's a little bit of a trick question, you see. Because the law of nature can change only by divine intervention. Only if there is what we call a miracle. So it explains how Jesus can walk on water. It explains why the sun stood still. It explains why there are miracles and you can bring sight to the blind. You can make the the mute speak, the deaf hear, the cripple walk. The natural law says that that should not happen. The natural law says, you know what? If you smoke, chances are you're going to get cancer. And unless there is divine intervention or unless there is a miracle, the law will fulfill itself, the law of nature. And so you see how the Bible doesn't speak directly to this, but it refers to it quite often, actually, when you read about these miracles and when you hear about all of these divine interventions that happen, then we sit back and we go, how can that happen? You know, how, how in the world can that? Well, it happens because there was divine intervention. The second law that I'd like to talk to you about is the civil laws. Now, the Bible is full of civil laws. Those are the kind of laws that help govern society. We read a lot of those, especially in the Old Testament, especially after Israel left Egypt and they were trying to establish their culture, their society. God says, here is the rule of law. This is what's going to help you have a functional society. And so he gives all of these civil laws to the people of Israel. Now, let me ask you a question. Do civil laws change? We have a speed limit out in front of the church. What is it? 25, 35? So if If our community deems that 45 is unsafe, we can change that to, say, 35 or maybe 25. So civil laws can change. Now, keep this in mind, however, that behind every law in Scripture, there is a principle that helps govern that law. We're going to get to that in just a second. Just remember that behind every law, there is a principle that helps guide that law. All right, so we have the natural law. We have the civil law. The third category of laws that we find in Scripture are the ceremonial laws. Those are the laws that dealt with the sanctuary and with the sacrifice system, right? So you sin, you take a lamb before the altar, 
you place your hands on that lamb, you confess your sins on that lamb, and then they slit the throat, they burn it on the altar, and that was to signify the plan of salvation. It was to teach them what was going to happen. It was to show the people of Israel what God was going to do in order to save the human race. The ceremonial laws. Are the ceremonial laws still binding today? Of course not. Jesus Christ fulfilled those laws. And so the ceremonial laws have indeed changed. We are no longer bound by them. And so see, now it makes sense why the New Testament says that the laws were done away with at the cross. So you ask yourself, the laws, all the laws? I mean, all the laws were done away with at the cross? You need to ask yourself, what laws is it talking about? Is it talking about, you know, thou shalt not murder? Jesus died on the cross, so that means we can go about, you know, killing and murdering whoever we want? No. It's talking about what? The ceremonial laws. The laws that dealt with the promise of the coming Messiah that were fulfilled in Christ. So you have the natural law. You have the civil laws. You have the ceremonial laws. And then the fourth category is the moral law of God, which the Ten Commandments is included in that. So you have the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments, those do not change. Those stand the test of time. The moral law is there for us now and will be there for all eternity. So understanding this, let's now go to the book of Romans and read a few passages to try and understand what Paul is saying here is the relationship between law and grace. I'd like for you to turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So Paul says here, listen, by the keeping of the law, by the good deeds of the law, no man will be justified. And he goes on to explain why. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So here, Paul starts to differentiate And he starts to explain to us all the relationship between the law of God and his grace. He says, listen, you need to understand one thing. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all fallen short of the righteousness of God. And then he says, and by the way, you need to understand that by keeping the law, 
keeping the law as best as you can, even if you were to keep every part of the law, it will not justify you. You can only be justified by the righteousness that is in Christ Jesus. All right? So he's, he's trying to get us to understand this. He's trying to get us on board with this. Right? And so then the natural response that most of us would have is, well then, what does that mean? Does it mean that the void, the law is void? That the law isn't important? What do you think his response to that is? Of course not. Of course it's important. And I want you to start reading here with me in verse 27, because this is important. Verse 27. It says, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. And so what he's saying here is, listen, you cannot boast about keeping the law if you are in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you have accepted Christ into your life, and you are accepting his righteousness by faith on your life, you cannot boast. Now, if you were righteous because you were keeping the law, then you have every right to boast. But guess what, Paul says? No one can do that. Why? Because we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And so he goes on, and this is interesting because now he gives us an example in, in verse uh, chapter verse 1. He says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed or had faith in God, and it was accounted to him or imputed to him for righteousness. You know, sometimes I hear Christians say, you know, there was the old covenant and then there was the, the new covenant and, you know, they were under the old law and we're under the new law. There's no such thing. It's always been one covenant. It's always been one promise. Since the beginning of time, it's always been one plan of salvation. And that plan is that Jesus Christ would come, become a man, and die on the cross for your sins and my sins. You have the Old Testament prophets and the Old Testament patriarchs and the Old Testament individuals who lived their life not by the works of their life. They lived their lives having the faith, the trust that someday... God would send his son, send the Messiah to die for my sins. The law never justified anyone in the Old Testament, New Testament. Even today, the law does not justify anyone. It is the blood that was shed on Calvary that justifies us. Is the law important? Absolutely. And Paul starts to dive into why the law is important. I want you to read with me here in chapter 7, verse 7. Chapter 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? 
You know, if we don't need the law to be saved, then, then what's the purpose? I mean, is it sin? He says, certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law has said, you shall not covet. And so, ah, okay, all right, now this is starting to make sense. You see, because the law helps us to understand what sin is, right? What is sin? Lawlessness. It is breaking the law. So it makes sense to a lot of us that says, okay, okay, wait a second. So if I can make a list of the law and not break it, that means I will not sin, and I'm, I'm in the clear, I'm in the good, right? I'm, I'm good to go, right? So if I can create a list of what, of what the law is and keep it, then I can strive for that, and if I can keep those laws, then I will not have sinned, right? Is it that simple? You see, because that's what the Pharisees did. That's what the religious leaders during the time of Christ did. They, they put law upon law upon law and they added laws on top of laws to make sure that they not break the law because in breaking the law, they would sin. But Jesus comes along and he says, wait a second, guys. <laughs> You're misunderstanding the law here. You see, the, the law is a lot more than just letters on a page. You know, the law of, of God is... is is a lot bigger, a lot greater than what you're giving it credit for. See, you think you can just keep the law? He says, listen, even, you know, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder. But I say to you that even if you think hatred towards a brother, you've already committed murder. Whoa, that makes it a lot more complicated, does it not? Jesus said, look, I know that the law says thou shalt not commit adultery. But I'm telling you that even if you think of a woman in a lustful way, you've already committed adultery. So Jesus takes this whole law business to a whole other level. Now, do you know what precedes Jesus saying that? Let me read it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Now that we know the different categories, what category would you place this under? Would you place it under the natural law? Would you place it under the civil laws, ceremonial or moral? You see, because I've heard a lot of people say, well, obviously he's talking about the ceremonial laws, right? He's talking about the ceremonial laws, that he was going to fulfill the ceremonial laws in their presence, and they were going to see the fulfillment of that law with his life, death, and resurrection. But the context tells us something differently, doesn't it? Because what he goes on to explain is, listen, the law of God is a lot more than just not murdering 
or not committing adultery. If you think these things, you've already sinned against, you've already gone against the law. So here Jesus says, do not think that I've come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. There are many that say that the law of God reveals the very character of God. That the law of God teaches us his character. That the law of God reveals and teaches to us God's righteousness. How many times did David say, God, write your law in my heart? You know, I want you to place your law in my heart. What, what was he talking about? David understood that his law is his character. And so what he was asking was, Lord, God, please put your character in my heart. I want to once again reflect your image. Remember that we were created in the image of God? In the image of God, we all were created. But since the fall, we have gone away from that. And since then, God has been trying to bring us back by saying, look, I have a plan. I have a way of once again making your character resemble my character. You want a picture of what that character looks like? Here's my law. Don't run away from the law. I want you to embrace it. Because in the law, we find the very essence, the very character of who God is. And in so doing, you're going to find out how wonderful he is. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. Whether you have three spare hours or three spare minutes, make it count. Next week, listen in as Robert Quintana begins a new series, Make It Count. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.